Today on New Season. Are you defined by your past? Are you defined by your circumstances? Are you defined by what people say about you? Here's the great news from what took place on the cross. Jesus Christ defines you. You, 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 you and I. We are not defined by what surrounds us. We are defined by God's spirit inside of us. We are not defined by our circumstances. We are defined by his covenant. You're not even defined by the hell you're going through. You're defined by the heaven you're going to. You're not defined by your failures. You're defined by his forgiveness. And for all the religious folk in the place, you're not even defined by what you do for God. You are defined by what God already did for you. And now, here's today's word with Pastor Sam Rodriguez. Let me share with you what God placed into my heart. Our faith is not like any other faith. And a matter of fact, look at your neighbor, the one you like, and tell him, our faith. Look at your other neighbor, the one that you tolerate, and say, our faith. <laughs> hmm, seriously. No, just get it together. <laughs> our faith is not like any other faith. And, and that's politically incorrect, but I'm going to say it again for the hearing impaired. Our faith is not like any other faith. Our faith is transparent, transcendent, and transformational. Our faith teaches us to cross over obstacles, to shout down walls, to break through crowds, and walk on water even in the midst of storms. Our faith enables us to survive the fires of life, to overcome the den of lions, to silence the serpent and outwit the fox. Our faith, somebody say our faith empowers us to see, to see the invisible, to embrace the impossible and hope for the incredible. Accordingly, it's not a coincidence that the first time the universe hears the uttered words of God, God's voice, it was not to say, let there be joy, peace, or even love. The voice of the sovereign, the divine, the glorious uttered the following. Genesis 1-3, let there be light. Because God always begins by turning the lights on. Life requires light. Faith requires light. More than ever, we need light. Why? Because we live in dark times. Some argue that we live in the darkest hour, darkened by sin, immorality, moral relativism, spiritual apathy, cultural decadence, infanticide, racism, pornography, poverty, violence, false prophets, watered-down preaching, hypocrisy, unbridled consumerism, voyeurism, materialism, secular tyranny, religious extremism, terror, discord, division, strife, hatred, jealousy, and unbelief. We live in dark times. Yet in the midst of darkness stems the following truth. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, man. Because in the midst of darkness, Jesus still saves. Jesus is still delivering. Jesus is still sanando, healing. And believe it or not, we may be part of the minority. I may be part of the double minority then. But believe it or not, I'm one of those that still believe that Jesus is still coming back again. 
In the midst of darkness stems the prophetic truth, the revealed truth, and everlasting truth uttered by our Savior, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. You, point at your neighbor, tell him, you are the light of the world. The other neighbor, the one of the attitude, tell him, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. God's presence empowers us to be light. For when light stands next to darkness, light always wins. We are blessed, and that presence empowers us to be light by who we are. You are the light of the world. The city on the hill cannot be hidden. It's about identity clarification. It's about who we are. His presence empowers us to be light by who we are. So who are we? The quintessential query stemming from the existential womb. Who are we? We cannot be light unless we discover who we are. We cannot be light until we repudiate identity moratorium. Who are we? What defines you? Who makes you who you are? Are you defined by your past? Are you defined by your circumstances? Are you defined by what people say about you? Here's the great news from what took place on the cross. Jesus Christ defines you. You, 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 you and I. We are not defined by what surrounds us. We are defined by God's spirit inside of us. We are not defined by our circumstances. We are defined by his covenant. You're not even defined by the hell you're going through. You're defined by the heaven you're going to. You're not defined by your failures. You're defined by his forgiveness. And for all the religious folk in the place, you're not even defined by what you do for God. You are defined by what God already did for you. The cross defines you. The empty tomb defines you. The upper room, his blood, his word. You are defined by the Father and the Son. Y el Espíritu Santo. You are defined by Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. We are defined by Jesus. But listen, I'm in the midst of these conversations around the country. And, and there is this, 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 this amazing amount of identity moratorium. There is an attempt by culture and by law and by government and by various threads and institutions in society to define us. We, the collective group, like Klesia, the church. So it really we must ask ourselves if we are to push back against darkness by being light, it behooves us to ask, who are we? Are we just another institution in society? Really, who are we? Are we another religious faith narrative competing in the marketplace of ideas? Are we a feel-good apparatus for the spiritually impaired? Are we an antiquated conduit for a set of irrelevant values no longer applicable in the world of Facebook, iPad, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube? How we respond, empowered by his presence, will determine if in our generation, light overcomes darkness. So who are we? It's time. It really is time. 
And I don't care how politically incorrect it may be. It, it's, it is time for us to rise up with clarity, conviction, and courage, empowered by the presence of God, and declare, I mean, unashamedly so, it's time for us to rise up and say, we are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill. We are people of the word. We are salt and light. We are prophetic and not pathetic. We are disciples, witnesses, and Christ followers. We are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We are children of the cross, fruit of the empty tomb, and product of the upper room. We are the redeem of the Lord, the sheep of his pasture. We are forgiven, free, and favored. We are called and chosen. We are warriors and worshipers. We are world changers and history makers. Let us be clear. Let us make a noise. Let them know. And let's not be shy about this. Let us be clear. We are not Google. We are not Microsoft. We are not Ford. And we're not even Starbucks. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell shall not, will not, may not, cannot, no way, no how prevail against us. We are the bride of Jesus. We are the light of the world. We're not just anything. We are the bride. We are the church. We are the light of the world. So to all the people saying, oh, we live in dark times. We got to get out of here. We got to leave. And, and I get you. And I, I honor and succumb to the exhortation of the Apostle John and the island of Pablos. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I agree. I adhere. I pray the prayer. But man, we... It, for everybody desperate to say, it's so dark, we got to get out of here. It's time to reconcile our eschatology with our missiology. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is not coming back for a defeated church. He's not coming back for a failing church. He's not coming back for a discouraged church. He's not coming back for a church in a fetal position. He's coming back for a glorious church. A thriving church, a holy church, a mighty church, a worshiping church. Oh. Be light by who you are. Which means, which means, and I say this with great due deference, respectfully, be light by who you are, which means, and I say this nuevamente con mucho respeto, I say this respectfully. Did he just speak in tongues? Maybe. It's, that's not the point. That's not the point. We be light by who you are, which means that we are not first and foremost, who respectfully, 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 black, white, yellow, or brown, Hispanic, charismatic, or automatic. We are above all born again, blood washed, spirit empowered children of the living God. I am a child of God. I am a Christian. I am a Christ follower. I am a Jesus free. I gotta calm down here. This message brought to you by don'tdrinkthekoolaid.com. Be light by who you are, always remembering 
that God does not call the perfect, he calls the willing. He does not call the one that has it all, he calls the one that will surrender it all. For when light stands next to darkness, light always wins. <sighs> His presence empowers us to be light by removing the obstacles. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and hide it under a bowl. In other words, if you have it, don't hide it, let it shine. Our challenge is to remove the bowl of apathy, complacency, acquiescence, and fear, and once again lay claim to the stand of righteousness so that we may shine before all men. We cannot be light until we embrace the following. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. I'll say that one more time for the hearing impaired. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. There is no such thing as comfortable Christianity. And you are what you tolerate. What does that mean? What did he just say? He said, just bless the Lord, hallelujah. What is trying to hide your light? What is the name of the bowl, the proverbial bowl? And, and I say this, we cannot deny the fact that there is a spiritual battle to turn off the light. There is. There is a real spiritual battle in America and around the world to turn off the light. Forget Harry Potter and Hogwarts. Via the conduit of biblical illusions, we know very well there are real spirits in the cities of the world today. Real spirits. The spirit of Pharaoh is alive holding people captive in the Egypt of bondage and fear. The spirit of Goliath still lives, mocking and intimidating the children of God. The spirit of Jezebel, que el Señor la reprenda, still makes men and women hide in caves with sexual perversions and manipulation. The spirit of Absalom is dividing homes, churches, and relationships, while the spirit of Herod is killing the young through abortion, violence, poverty, and sex trafficking, murdering infant dreams and visions. Yet I have news for you. In spite of what you see on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, and even Univision. <laughs> in spite of what you see every night, I have news for you. There is a spirit more powerful than all these spirits combined. We are here today to kick this conference off, to declare in the name of Jesus, regardless of what Hussein, I don't care what they post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are here to declare that the most powerful spirit alive today in, in Dallas, in, in, in Fort Worth, in Carleton, in Plano, all over Texas, in Los Angeles, in New York, Miami, how about this, in China, in Africa, in Asia, in Europe, in the Middle East, in the Caribbean, in Latin America, in Canada, the most powerful spirit alive today is not the spirit of Pharaoh, it's not the spirit of Saul, Absalom, Goliath, Jezebel, or Herod. The most powerful spirit on the planet is still the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. It's still the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is still moving. 
For it is not by might, nor by power, but Zechariah 4, 6, where that spirit is present, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, where that spirit is present, there is power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I got to calm down here for a second. But man, if you really want to be light, it's time for us to rise up and to declare. To declare to every narrative and spirit that facilitates the platform of moral relativism, spiritual apathy, cultural decadence, and ecclesiastical lukewarmness. In other words, with many syllables, we must rise up and declare the following. I really mean this. I mean, what I saw in Oregon, what we're seeing in Oregon with Christian kids being asked if they're Christians to stand up. What we're seeing in the Middle East, what we're seeing around the world and even here in America. We can't hide and we can't be silent. We really must stand up and declare for every Pharaoh that rises up, there will be a Moses. For every Goliath, there must be a David. For every Nebuchadnezzar, there must be a Daniel. For every Jezebel, there must be an Elijah. For every Herod, there must be a Jesus. And for every devil that rises up against you, there is a mightier God that will rise up for you. Hallelujah. 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 It's time to remove the bull. It's time to shake off whatever life or hell placed upon your light. Why do you think the enemies come after you? It's not about the foolish things that you did in the past. It's about the glorious things you're about to do in your future. Remove that bull, always remembering that what you can't shake off, Jesus washes off. That if life throws you rocks, build an altar. You need to understand something. Prophetically speaking, that's the reason why many of us have been through what we've been through. If you've been through something significant, if you've been through a major storm, calamity, pushback, great warfare in the past two, three years, at least one major battle, raise one hand. If you've been through a couple significant major battles, I'm not talking about a migraine headache, I'm talking about a major battle, raise both hands. If you've been through so many, you lost count. Raise both hands and a foot. If you've been through so many that if I Google the word storm or battle, your Instagram account shows up. Raise both hands and both feet. But if you're still standing because the plans of God are greater than anything the devil did against you, then open up your mouth and give God the best praise you've given him this year. Why? Because the purpose of God is greater than the brokenness of man. Remove that bowl. Remove the bowl. Remove it, remove it, remove it, remove it. And I don't, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to offend. But this is, oh man. Oh, this is the reason why some of us praise the way we praise. 
And I know it's not about, by the way, it's not it because we removed the bow, because we've been through, because we survived the, and now we're shining the, it's the reason why we, it has, the reason why we praise the way we praise is because we are light, because we remove the bowl of apathy and complacency and acquiescence and comfortable Christianity, because we, we've been through something. Because, well, you're, the reason why we praise has nothing to do, by the way, for all of the people, it has nothing to do with ethnicity. It has nothing to do with all the black people and those brown people that get their praise on. <laughs> no. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin, your pigmentation. It has nothing to do whether or not from your body or Beverly Hills, whether you have a GED or a PhD. It has nothing to do. I found out that the size of your praise is directly proportional to the magnitude of the hell that God took you out of. What does that mean? If God took you out of a little hell, then you give him a little praise. But if he saved you, if he delivered you, if he turned you around, if he placed your feet on solid ground, then you give God the highest. We've been quiet for too long, man. We've been silent for too long. Ah, remove the bowl. Look at your neighbor, tell him, remove the bowl. Tell your other neighbor, the other one, you know, the other one, tell him, remove the bowl. First John 2, 8, I am writing you a new command. This truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of God has risen upon you. For when light stands next to darkness, light, light. I'm about to finish. I'm about to finish. I'm about to finish. The presence of God, his presence and powers is to be light by where we stand. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone. Todo el mundo. Everyone in the house. The stand represents the facilitative platform on which we shine the light of Christ. So where do we stand? We stand on the undeniable and unshakable reality that Christ is the hope of glory. We stand with uncompromised and unbridled conviction and this is not politically correct. I know that. And listen, I kid you not, I am not, there's no hyperbole here whatsoever. A few weeks ago, I did something silly, which is a rare thing, of course. <laughs> My wife would beg to differ. I did something silly. I, I'm not making this up. You could do your due diligence on this. I posted on my Facebook something that I would not find growing up controversial. But the pushback that I received was significant, so much so that we had to engage certain agencies because of the threats. All I posted was simple, I kid you not. On my Facebook account, I posted that Jesus was the only way to heaven and the only way to be saved. I did not know that in today's day and age that is controversial and is intolerant it's bigoted, discriminatory, and wrong. We re I received little emojis. I did not know there were emojis with bomb threats on them. So help me God, I'm not making this up. Little bomb things were coming after you and your family with little bombs and guns, little dynamite emojis. 
So I first laughed, and then my social media guy called and said, Pastor, it's no longer funny. And then, like, my wife said, no comico, quita eso ahí. Which meant, take that thing off. And so, it, it be all because, do we have any cameras here? Are we filming this? Are we? Where are the cameras at? Where? I can't see them. Where are you? Get a close-up shot. Ready? Okay. Make sure you grab all of this. So we stand on the following. There are not five ways to heaven. There are not four ways to heaven. There are not three ways to heaven. And there are not two ways to heaven. There's only one way to be saved. His name is Jesus Christ. There is no other way but Jesus. No other way but Jesus. If you believe that, give God a shout of praise. No other way. I'll finish, I'll finish. We stand, we stand on righteousness and justice. Psalm 89, 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Luke 1, 79. To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet in the path of peace. We shine on righteousness and justice. For he who wrote the law with one finger likewise gave us grace with both hands. And the same God who pointed to righteousness via tablets of stone likewise imparted redemptive justice through the sacrifice on the cross. <sighs> we stand, we stand on the following. And for all of us in this blessed nation of ours, to be light, we must stand with the understanding that Uncle Sam may be our uncle, but he will never be our heavenly father. His spirit, his presence empowers us to be light by what we do. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus changed the world because of who he was, what he said, and what he did. His character, his rhetoric, and his actions. Let us do likewise. Ephesians 5.8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. We shine when we understand that Christianity is less about promoting the perfect and more about blessing the broken. We illuminate our surroundings when we embrace the truth that Christianity stands measured not by the level of rhetorical eloquence, but rather by the constant of loving actions. We magnify the light empowered by the conviction that there is no such thing as silent Christianity. Let me tell you, and I'll wrap up with this. This message I lived out during the Bush administration. God gave us grace and favor to have access to two presidents in, in advisory roles. And during the Bush, George W. Bush administration, we received an invitation to go to Pakistan. It was sometime after 9-11. The purpose of the Pakistani government, General Musharraf was in charge at that time, was to demonstrate to the world that Pakistan was embracing religious pluralism. Well, we were invited and we, we held a, a, a de facto crusade. It was a, a conference outside 
Very large conference, very well attended. Thousands of people showed up. 60% plus were of the majority faith of Pakistan, the Muslim faith. And we, we went, let me explain to you how this, how this message really truly emerged in, in, in my life. We went, two people accompanied me, a pastor named John Raymer, who is a Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada pastor. John Raymer. And the other one is a pastor from Puerto Rico. His name is Israel Bermudez. Here's a funny story, sidebar. His name is Israel Bermudez. We go to Pakistan. We go to clear our passports, passport control. I have no problem, and John has no problem. We go right through. Israel comes up, and the person in the window says, you cannot come in with that name. And, and, and Israel did not get it. So Israel was strong Puerto Rican accident and said, what you talking about? My mother gave me that name. That's the name my mother gave me. And I didn't get it, like initially, right? Jet lagged, I have no, and I'm going like, huh, he can't come in. And the, and the man said again, you're not coming in to this nation with that name. And, and Israel is fighting. Israel's going, but, but that's the name my mother gave me. What's wrong with you? Said, I have a visa. You gave me a visa to come over here. What's wrong with me? And the guy said again, you're not coming in. And it hit me. Israel, the name Israel, the guy told him, not with that first name. If you want to come in here, tell me the name that you will be called here. Because that name will not be heard here. I, and so I, we saw that. The funny thing was that Israel looks at me, and I'm here with John, and, we, and, we, and, he, and he goes, well, give me a name, give me a name. I kid you not. And we're here, and we go like, Jerry. <laughs> what prophetic significance? Nada, zero. In the Hebrew, it's Jerry. Greek, Jerry, Latin, Jerry. Why Jerry? I have no idea. Just Jerry. From that moment on, all the days we were in Pakistan, we would call him Jerry, Pastor Jerry. So we go. It's Pastor Jerry and I and John Raymer. And, and we're there the first night I'm about to preach. 60% plus of the Muslim faith. It is, it is packed out, standing room only. Thousands of people on my left-hand side were the Muslim clerics from the region. They were escorted by a security apparatus and they were not carrying Korans. They were carrying other things. My assignment was to preach that night. I came up. I wish I would tell you that I preached Christ. I don't know if I mentioned Jesus. I'm not kidding. I think I said air, love, the big God. It was like Barney and Dora Christianity all over. He loves you. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for loving us. Amen. And, and nothing happened. Nothing. Nothing. We went back to the hotel. John Raymond looks at me and says, hey, Pastor Sam, we, we traveled on our own dime, thousands of miles to come over here. And, you know, we love you, but this is not going to happen. We're either going to do this or we're not. And I, when I agree, so I, I, the question that I had to ask him, of course, the, the appropriate question, have you paid up your life insurance policy recently? <laughs> Are you up to date? And we all dealt with our, with our exit plan. If something happens, where do we exit? We found out the only exit was through the crowd. There goes that. So we said, all right, let's just do this. We prayed. We called our intercessors. We prayed, and we fasted. We got ready. And then the next day came along, and, and I picked up the microphone, ready to preach. The different sections. So as a good preacher, they were there. More people attended. More of them. Right here, first row, and the second row. So I ignored them, and I preached over here. <laughs> 
Spirit of God came upon me, the anoint me him. And I started preaching saying, there's only one way. I kid you not. There's only one way to be saved. Did never mention anyone else. No other God, no other prophet. Just mentioned, there's only one way to be saved, one way to be truly saved. His name is Jesus. I preached salvation through Christ alone. I went to this section and I went, not only does Jesus save, but Jesus delivers. And then immediately I went over to this section. And because I'm going to be honest with you, I was shaking not under the anointing at that moment. But because of who they were and they were intimidating and, and there was a thing hiding the light. The whole thing is I hid the light the first day. The second day I removed the bowl. And, and then I did this quickly. Watch. I just went and Jesus saves and Jesus delivers and, and Jesus heals. And I ran over here one more time. Yo no soy bobo. No tiene que correr, tú sabes. So Jesus heals. Right here in the corner, an 80-year-old Muslim cleric leader stood up, started shouting. A younger guy next to him stood up. My peripheral vision saw this, and immediately inside of me, I said, Lord, help me. <laughs> he stood up, started yelling, making a noise, a ruckus. The young man stood up. They walked in front of everyone, aiming towards Jerry. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> Jerry's over here. I'm, you know, peripheral vision, you're trying to ignore, like you're not noticing it, but you're freaking out. Freaking out is a theological term for freaking out. <laughs> so I'm, I'm panicking because I'm going, oh man, what's, he comes over, he starts yelling louder. And then his son starts yelling. And I'm going, and then Jerry looks at me and says, give him the mic. And I said, Jerry said, trust me, confia en mí, dale el micrófono. And I went, he goes, trust me. We brought them up, the young man. The young man is looking at me. The old man is going like this. This is what he's doing. He's talking loudly and going like this. And he starts smacking his son like this, like this. And I'm going, what's going on? The son looks at me and says, Mr. Cleric, I said, what's going on? He goes, that's my father. He's 80 years old. I go, okay. He goes, no, it's not okay, but it is okay. I go, interesting. What's going on? I'm looking at Jerry like, what did you just do here? And just, the young man says, that's my father. He's 80 years of age. I go, I got that. He goes, you don't understand, sir. I go, what's going on, son? He says, that's my daddy. This is a Muslim cleric, the leader. He's 80 years of age. And I go, I got that. He goes, you don't seem to get it. I go, well, tell me then. He said, my daddy... From the day he was born, he's been completely blind. So I look at him and say, all right? And the father is smacking the son and he's crying and his tears are coming out and he's telling him in order to translate it, he's saying, I can see you, I can see you. And, and, and he starts going around and he says, I can see, not partial healing, I mean complete. He goes, I can see. The father grabs the microphone and he says, you, 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 you. And I said, me, he goes, you, you preach about your Jesus. And you looked at me and you said, your Jesus heals. And when you said, your Jesus heals, my When you said your Jesus heals, my eyes opened up. He said, I pray to my God all my life. He never healed me. Today, your Jesus healed me.
said on the microphone, publicly in front of witnesses that were there, he said, because of that, from this moment on, me and my family, we serve your Jesus. There is still power in the name. There is still power in the name of Jesus. Stand with, you're standing, stand with me. We have to remove the bowl of acquiescence and apathy and complacency and fear. There is no such animal as silent Christianity. There is no such thing as comfortable Christianity. We must remove the bowl of fear. What are we afraid of? His presence empowers us to be light. Uh, we push back darkness when we recognize that all in and out of the womb carry the image of God without exception. We, we shine the brightest when we understand that the only agenda that can save America is not the agenda of the donkey or the elephant, but only the agenda of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. So when asked, what do Christians do besides going to church on Sunday and critiquing everything Monday through Saturday? Here's my response. We love, we forgive, we turn the other cheek, we bless our enemies, we walk in integrity, we quench the thirsty, we, we clothe the naked, we feed the hungry, we welcome the stranger, we take care of the orphan and the widow, we preach in and out of season, we worship in spirit and in truth, we do justice, we love mercy, we walk humbly before God, we are lights. For the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. John 1.5, I love 1 Samuel 3.3, 3. the lamp of God has not gone out yet. So covenant with his presence, empowered by his presence, rise up and be light. Be light and walk like Enoch. Be light and believe like Abraham. Be light and dress like Joseph. Be light and stretch like Moses. Be light and shout like Joshua. Be light and dance like David. Be light and fight like Gideon. Be light and pray like Daniel. Be light and build like Nehemiah. Be light and preach like Peter. Be light and serve like Stephen. Be light and live like Jesus. Be light and change the world. For when light stands next to darkness, light always wins. God bless you. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. The words of Jesus, John chapter 5, to the man who was paralyzed. Your days of paralysis are officially over. If you've been blessed by this program, if you've heard from heaven, if God has spoken to you, to your family, to your dream and your destiny, now I'm going to encourage you right now to generously sow a seed into this ministry. This ministry for the glory of God, not rhetorically, for the glory of God, we are seeing the world change. We are literally reaching millions around the world through God's transformative word, through his power, through his spirit. We're committed to the centrality of Christ, to the word of almighty God, and through a free flow of his spirit. I want you to help me change the world. I don't want to talk about changing the world. I want to really change the world. But it requires your help, your financial investment, your generous love offering. The information's on the screen. Follow me on PastorSam.com on Facebook, Reverend Samuel Rodriguez, Twitter and Instagram, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. I want you to follow me right now.
but I want you to visit our website and I want you to give right now. Sow a generous seed. I assure you, your life will be blessed because you and I will be the greatest blessing as we touch the world. We are not talking about changing the world. You and I, we're changing the world in Jesus' name. God bless you. God keep you. If this message is ministered to you, please consider sowing to this outreach ministry. Make your check payable to New Season, P.O. Box 246090, Sacramento, California 95824. Additionally, you may make a secure donation by visiting our website's give page at newseasonedworship.org. If you are in the Sacramento area, we invite you to join us at New Season Christian Worship Center. Sunday worship services are held at 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. We look forward to seeing you there. Thank you for watching. Join us next time on New Season with Pastor Sam Rodriguez.